In 2022, Team Milk came together by sponsoring female marathon runners for the marathon in New York City. Today, they're more than 20,000 strong. In 2024, Team Milk is making an even bigger commitment to female runners and launching the only women's marathon in the U.S., designed for and by women. The inaugural Every Woman's Marathon will take place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16th, 2024. You can learn more and register for the marathon at everywomansmarathon.com. But we did get in the sort of pool of people who could submit for the song, which is like, it's not on spec, but they'll be like, hey, we need to write a song about a peanut getting married. And then, you know, and it's got to be reggae. And we're like, great. Okay, so then you, <laughs> you you just do it on spec. And then if your song ends up in the movie, you get a song in the movie. And if it doesn't, then you don't get paid. And that reggae peanut song was just a me. I'm kidding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Good One, a podcast about jokes. I'm your host, Jesse David Fox. This week's guests are Kate McCucci and Ricky Lindholm, the artists sometimes known as Garfunkel and Oates. I will always have a warm spot in my heart for Garfunkel and Oates because they're one of the acts I, I associate most closely with me falling back in love with comedy. You know, I, I used to watch a lot of comedy growing up, and I, and I went to shows when I was in college, but I got just sort of really tired of a lot of the acts I was seeing, it felt very samey. Um, but so it wasn't until I moved to LA in like 2009 and my friend brought me to a live show called Comedy Death Ray, which you might know now as what became Comedy Bang Bang, the podcast. And I was just like, I get it. This is exactly it. This is so funny to me. They have this uh, song called The Worst Song Medley where they just like made fun of, I guess, of dumb songs of the 90s and though i like some of those songs i did feel like oh we have like the same touchstones um and i you know i followed their career closely and they were just sort of always around until you know 2016 where they just sort of weren't around as much um nothing bad happened at least not in terms of the band uh actually it was good they were working ricky was the co-creator co-star and showrunner of another period kate was acting a ton and they were writing so many songs just not for garfunkel and oats they were working secretly on music for kids shows and movies but the secret is out um kate and ricky wrote songs for the Obama-produced, healthy-eating Netflix puppet show Waffles and Mochi, and currently they're co-writing an animated musical for Netflix called Steps, and they're co-writing a musical musical for Broadway. Still, while away, the legacy of Garfunkel Oates has grown in the most unexpected way. I didn't expect it. I can't imagine they expected it, which is The Loophole, which is a song from the 2015 album Secretions, has become the centerpiece of a, a very popular TikTok meme in which a teenage daughter plays the song from its beginning for their mom or dad. And then, you know, you're watching the mom or dad bop around as the beginning starts, which sort of you don't really know what it's about. And then the chorus hits and everyone laughs and laughs. And <laughs> it's it's interesting to see a song that had its own life that was already sort of their biggest song have this second life in a completely different context. So this episode, we will talk about that song that inspired a nation. Here is Kate Micucci and Ricky Lindholm, a.k.a. Garfunkel Notes. 
all my life. I've been good, do what my mom and dad and God say I should. Go to church and Bible school to live by God's rule. So whatever people tell me that the Bible tells me, I will do. Walk the halls of high school with my purity ring. Unlike those other girls, I got my morals in check. It was easy to do till I got a boyfriend. And pardon my French, but he's cute as heck. But I made a pact to keep my hymen intact. And Jesus and I are tight. Never learned about the birds and bees. I was taught to keep an aspirin in between my knees. Cause the Bible says premarital sex is wrong. But Jason says that guys can't wait that long. I don't want to lose him to someone who'll do him. I need to figure something out. Well, there's a loophole in the scripture that works really well. So I can get him off without going to hell. It's my Hail Mary full of grace. In Jesus' name we go to fifth base. Thank you for making me holy And thank you for giving me holes to choose from And since I'm not a godless whore He'll have to come in the back door Therefore, fuck me in the ass cause I love Jesus The good Lord would want it that way Give me that sweet sensation of a throbbing rationalization It's just between you and me Cause everyone knows it's the sex that God can't see it's hard to be as pure as me To resist the urge to lose my vaginal virginity To wait until my marriage bed To get my husband my unsullied maiden head So take your cock out, shove it in my ass Fuck me until you come Oops, I mean let's join our souls And unite our bodies And fly with the wings of God Whatever you do, don't touch my clitoris If you ring Satan's doorbell, God can't ignore this And no prophylactics when you put it in Cause birth control's for sluts and it's a sin I've emptied my bowels and laid out the towels I'm ready for romance Now I'm praying to the power that's the highest But of all of my holes, this one's the driest And we can't procreate if we anally copulate And God's okay with sodomy, but only if you're straight and I'm staying pure no matter what So I'm okay with everything but Everything but Everything but Whoa, fuck me in the ass cause I love Jesus The good Lord would want it that way Give me that sweet sensation of a rock hard rationalization It's just between you and me Cause everyone knows it's the sex that God can't see Whatever the Bible tells me to Except for the parts that I choose to ignore Cause they're unrealistic and inconvenient But the rest I live by for sure So let's not talk about how the good book bans shellfish, polyester, and divorce And how it condones slavery and killing gays Cause those parts don't count, of course Let's cherry pick the part about losing my cherry And mine it for ambiguities and omissions To circumvent any real sacrifice But still feel pious in my arbitrary parroted positions And don't you dare question my convictions And don't look closely contradictions just focus on a sacrificial crucifixion and have faith in its complete jurisdiction as the only way to measure if you're good or not and in a debate just say to have faith because when up against logic it's the only card you've got so close your eyes take a deep breath and fuck me in the ass because i love jesus the good lord would want it that way 
always give me that sweet sensation of an irrational rationalization. It's just between you and me. Cause everyone knows it's the sex that God can't see. Yeah, my chastity belt has locks. But sometimes you need to think outside the box. I am here with Kate Micucci and Ricky Lindholm. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Um, so I want to start at the beginning-ish. You know, it's so it's the great writer strike of 2007 and 2008. Uh, you, two friends, get together to write songs. Uh, what were you expecting and, and what did you find from that experience? Well, I think the writer strike was sort of, it, it came at a time when Kate and I were like just starting to get traction as actresses. Like we were both like getting auditions for pilots or booking pilots or getting guest stars, just like getting that, like getting a little bit of things going when everything came to a dead stop. And we were like, oh, we, we're dead in the water. We need to do something. And we had all this time on our hands and we were both kind of like, let's figure out what else we're good at. <laughs> and so I wrote a short that I was going to direct and I asked Kate to be in it and um, to help me turn it into a musical. And that was um, how we started writing songs together, was just to see if we were good at it. What did you expect from doing that? Like, had you written songs with another person before? What were you hoping? What were you nervous about? And then what did you find from doing it? I was well, basically like, I need to figure out what else I'm good at. And I'm like, I wonder if I can write. I wonder if I can direct. I wonder if I can write good songs. Like, it was just like things I'd always wanted to do, but never tried because yeah. I'd only been acting. So I was like, let's see. We, Kate and I had both been doing it for fun for a long time, but we weren't sure if we could do it for real. When Ricky had called me and said she wanted to turn this short into a musical, I was just really excited. Our our friendship, we we were fairly new friends. And so I just thought, oh, I get to go over to my friend's house and write some songs. Like, cool. Uh, you know, we did not set out to make a comedy band. We really were just trying to make Ricky short into a musical and and had no idea what that would lead to. But it was one of the most fun days. So, you know, that was something we both recognized as like, oh, and not only that, but I think what we wrote was really special and a great, like, kind of hit the ground running as far as, like, a fun uh, song that felt really true to us, you know? Did you have conversations of, like, what th this, like, you know, like, I've been in, like, the first band practice and we're like, I don't know what this band's going to be. And then you start talking, you're like, I get, what were the conversations like? It'd be like, what, you know, like, how do you start? What do you do? We should do these types of songs. What types of direction were you looking for, at least tone-wise? Well, the first time we wrote songs, we had we we knew what they were about because they were for the short. Got so it. we had a directive. And then we wrote both songs in about an hour. And we both liked the exact same thing. We both thought the same thing was funny. And we couldn't wait to share it with people. And so that was the 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 beginning. And then, mm. then it can segue into what Kate was talking about with the YouTube thing, which is... But but also going just talking about that first day, you know, we we kind of hit upon a joke that really kind of worked and it was accidental where uh, we were singing the same thing. And then all of a sudden I said, kiss you. And Ricky sang, fuck you. And then we laughed so hard and it, we were like, oh, OK, wait, this might that that nugget right there felt very like mm. kind of um, on brand to what Garfunkel Notes was to become. But we didn't really know anything at the time. Uh but I think also, yeah, so then Ricky had wanted to share the songs with her mom and dad, and she put them on YouTube. And it, it was the real early, early days of YouTube, and we didn't realize that other people would be watching them as well. And so uh, I remember Ricky calling me, and she was like, people are watching our YouTube videos. And my first thought was, oh, my gosh, we should take them down. <laughs> like, <laughs> Kate was like, why? 
don't know. I don't know how this happened. So that led us to go, oh, maybe we should make more, you know? So I think uh, it was it was not a planned thing in the beginning. And, yeah. and then we kind of had to follow the path that was sort of being laid before us. It was kind of cool. Yeah, and in the beginning, we weren't even sure if we wanted to do, like, funny songs or, like, mm. sort of serious songs. We just didn't know. And then we just kept trying things. And we had all the time in the world because of the writer's strike. And so we were just trying different things. And then, fu- like, the fun songs were more fun to play out. So we're like, yeah. well, let's just keep playing those. And people liked those more. And and then you just kept on doing it. So then yep. um, the loophole... Um, what was the the very first kernel of that idea? What was it? Where did it come from? Who who had it? Where did it first first start? Oh my gosh, um, I think we were in Ireland, right? We were in Ireland, and yeah, I, you know, I think both of us grew up in small towns, and we had known of this thing that people do, and <laughs> I think we were just really we were talking about it, and we were like, oh gosh, it's that sounds like a song, <laughs> so, yeah. And I but, was like obsessed with doing it, and yes, I started I, writing lyrics and stuff. And, and Kate was like, "No, this is not happening." I was just like, "I don't think I can sing about this. This it seems to me like it is crossing the line for me." I was just the most it it was me just being really uncomfortable with the whole idea of of singing. Well, because Ricky c- came up with the phrase. And uh, fuck me in the ass because I love Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. That was the first phrase we had. And Kate was like, no. <laughs> and I was like, it has to be that, though. And she's it like, made it me laugh. I fell over going, yes, this is so good. But I just personally wasn't ready to sing about it. And we and Ricky was really very cool about that and respected my you know, being uncomfortable with it. And so we, we, we just sat on it. it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and Kate, like, you know, and I would like sort of bring it up a little bit, but like Kate is good with boundaries. She's very firm. And when it's like, it's not, when it's not happening, it's not happening. So there's no point in, in like fighting it. I'm just like, okay. But you know, I would just like be like, is there any other? And she's like, no, no, no. And then it was like a year, a full year later. It right? was about a year later. Yeah. And I remember just, it was sort of like a, uh, you know, all of these things were brewing and like I thought maybe I'd have this one job and then another thing. And I, you know, I don't know what my, I, I think I was worried for a lot of reasons, just, you know, I don't know if it was, I, I, I don't know, disappointing family or whatever it was. Like I felt like I had a lot of worry about singing this. And, um, and then I just hit a point where I was like, who cares? And I remember calling Ricky and be like, I'm ready now. Let's do it. <laughs> no, you told me in person. I oh, remember. Was, was it when we were on that walk? Is that what it yep. was? Yeah. yeah you we, were like, we, you were like, I have something to tell you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm like, that's what's right. going on? What's, are you pregnant? Like what's going on? And you go, no, I'm ready to do the loophole. Yeah, like, that's yes. right. <laughs> I'm like, let's I, do this. I, yeah, like, I just finally had to be right. But that, I really appreciate it. And Ricky, thank you again for being patient with me. Because, like, I don't actually think I ever said that to you because, you know, just the way things unfold. But I, yeah. And it was just the right time then for us to, like, we really dove into the subject matter, mm-hmm. like, every day, brainstorming, <laughs> every, looking at it upside down and inside out in every way we could. We had the document for this song is, I mean, I don't know how many it's pages. Probably 40 pages. Yeah. <laughs> it's, we always have a brainstorm document and they're usually around 20 pages. And I think this was like 40. So what do you put in this? What, how, I can't think of 40 things one would write. Is it jokes? It's just like examples of people doing this. Like how, how does that, how do you do that? 
Well, most of it's garbage. Just like anything we think of. We're like God. poop hole or whatever. Like, you know, it's like first drafty stuff. And then it gets like a little better. And, you know, just anything you can think of, like a funny image or a funny thought. And then after we have the full document, we start narrowing it down. to like, and this time we already had the chorus. Well, we had the first line mm-hmm. of the chorus because we thought of it a year before that. <laughs> and I, I remember we were really into this one restaurant for lunch. We would go out to lunch and brainstorm with bring our computers. And like, it would always be really funny because we'd be talking about the maybe like, just like really gross or, you know, just like brainstorming anything we could about this. And then the waiter would be like, um, oh, here's your iced tea. And we're like, ah, okay, yeah. thanks. Sorry, have you heard any of that? <laughs> we're like, like, sorry. And then I remember we were almost done. And then Kate's boyfriend at the time, Noah Sieg, and the three of us were out to di- out to dinner, and Kate and I are still brainstorming this song, and he's just kind of sitting there, and we don't have the last line in the chorus, and Noah was like, what if it's the sex God can't see? And we were like, yes! yes. And so Noah, like, <laughs> finished the chorus for us. Is that Thank what you, it was Noah. like, where, like, every song you were working on, everyone in your life had a, is, like, was part of the conversation? This one, no, this one was just, we were, like, obsessed with it. Like, yeah. usually, usually they're not, but this one... It. This and Noah's really funny, and so it was like fun to brainstorm with him there. So like, yeah, it, yeah. But no, I, I like didn't ask my mom or anything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I definitely didn't even tell my mom about this one until we had the video. <laughs> so no, yeah, your mom didn't love this song. No, it was not good. Um, but <laughs> you, I was going to ask that about it later, but you did bring it up now. I've heard you talk about how it it causes tension that. Can you talk a little bit more about just sort of that? And then I think the the bigger question is like, what was it like to then sort of get through that experience of like, oh, this is an uncomfortable thing. And then you were able to like get past it. When we made this video, it was, I remember just, we were on such a high, like the, the experience was such a, like everybody who was a part of it, every, like we had a crew, we were just, you know, Everything about it was magical. It felt. Well, do you remember when we shot it? Yeah, and my, we on shot my it birthday, Easter, which was Easter. Yeah. Yes, Easter weekend on Kate's birthday, and we needed to get a church and a school on Easter weekend that would let us sing about anal. And we were like, we're not going to find this, and so we were sort of brainstorming. And our our producer Adam Hendricks were like all sitting around, and then I was like, wait, I know who has a school and a church. I'm like, horn sets. And so we called around the Deep Valley asking porn places, like, do you have these standing sets? And they, they're, they like, just cheaper, yeah. you know, to use a porn studio. So we we went and we rented out a porn studio, and we had a church and a school. And then when we went to do the location scout, we get there, and they were shooting a Sir Mix-a-Lot porn. And we walk, because there was this thing that we were going to make, just, like, a white screen. And we walk, and it's, it's painted with clouds, and there's two big butts. And we were like, oh, my God. And we're like, this is just sitting here. And they go, yeah, they they were they're filming this Sir Mixlot porn. And we're like, what are they doing with the butt <laughs> when they're done? And they were like, well, nothing. They're gonna throw them out. I think they're gonna be, you know, unusable. I think you can only use those ones. Sure. And uh, they just left them there. So we had this stage that was painted with clouds with two big butts that we just got to film on. And then we called our friend Armin Weitzman and we're like, will you come be like a roller skating Jesus and like skate around the butts? And he was like, totally. So he came and did that and. It, it but I mean, really just fun. that alone, like how I just remember thinking like, this is insane. Like, like it was meant to be that we mm-hmm. got there and there mm-hmm. were giant butts painted in a heavenly way. Like, what the heck? 
there and like that kind of coincidence, like all along the way, like the video, the process of making the music video was just so much fun, and we had the best time. We were just like on a on a high of just like creating something with people who were all really excited, and it was a great experience. Yeah, and we had that jib, like we had the um. The, those aerial shots with over the butts and we we had like a guy come that day this like gym operator and we didn't know that he was like a christian and he was seriously uncomfortable and we were like oh so like we realized we should have told like yeah he wasn't he didn't mind shooting at a porn studio so that was fine but our material made him uncomfortable because we just assumed like oh if he's gonna mm. shoot a porn with a crane like he won't care about this song but he was really uncomfortable because it's exclusively about like it's about Christianity. Yes, yes, and we felt really bad about that. But yeah, he still, I remember. He still I, remember was, uh, yeah. I felt bad. Yes, but I. But you know, overall, it was just we were. You know, we're commenting on it in a way, and you know, I, I, the song I feel like is is just it's maybe our best comedy song. I think <laughs> I one of them. It's like it's I. I really I am so proud of it. Um, but yeah, getting then so after the video came out, my my family was not happy, and uh, I think in all in all, it was a good thing because I think I felt like I had disappointed my family for the first time, maybe really ever. <laughs> like 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 Which in is a, kind of weird because we have so many songs that could disappoint them. I yeah, that's <laughs> true. You know, but it was I mean ultimately a good thing. It was just something that I had to work through, you know, and and you know it all turned out just fine. I think that yeah, your mom defriended us on Facebook. Yeah, that wasn't good. And they called Kate and said, if you don't take this down, your career is going to be over. Yeah. They And they said specifically, they go, you'll never work for Disney. And Kate's worked on like seven cartoons for Disney. <laughs> yeah. But it so. was, you know, it was all of the things I was worried about. And it was a really hard time, honestly. Like I, I, it, I got really depressed after the video came out and I felt really, um, it was, it was uh, not good. But, you know, it got me into therapy. And <laughs> I think that that was a good thing. Yeah, my parents, my parents liked the video. I don't know. They thought it was funny. But my mom was like, oh, Ricky. Oh, geez. It was funny, but oh, geez. And I was like, okay, well, that's, I like it. I'll take that. Yeah, I mean, I, I imagine, I mean, it's like hard for anyone, but it is like everything about like why the song feels like the, it, whether your best song or your most special, whatever, it's part of might be also like what might rub some people the wrong way and just that it's like so powerful. You know, like I know it's like such a silly thing to talk about, but like the contrast, like I feel like all your songs have a certain amount of contrast, right? Of large juxtaposition of like sweet things, and and this one, it's like the 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 greatest version of that possible. <laughs> That's you know, what's funny is the first time we played it in public was in Texas, because I I like I kind of love like jumping in the deep end. I like just like burning something in the ground, like just like seeing how it goes. And it was we were. We're like, if we can, if this can go okay in Texas, I think we're good with the rest of the country. And then it it did. It was really good. Yeah. And, and to kind of answer your the second part of your question, I feel like the great thing that came of this song, one of the great things is that people really wanted to share their experiences. And I mean, not only uh, we have so many funny, like really like people sharing these insane funny stories that they were happy to share at a mm -hmm. comedy club. But mm -hmm. then also really personal things that people would share with us that I feel like, I mean, it's, it's kind of amazing. Like, you know, a, a lot of our songs have some kind of like sexual uh, theme and it's really nice when people can open up and, and, share something that maybe they wouldn't have otherwise. And I know that I feel like I've learned a lot <laughs> just, you know, in talking to people and, you know, opened up 
whatever they're here, you know, just hearing their experiences has really been helpful. And like, you know, I feel like I can talk about a lot of things now that I probably wouldn't have been able to, you know, really? even. Yeah. I mean, I, I did ne- not have that experience. I was like, I need to be quieter. Cause like, <laughs> I, like I remember we were in somewhere. Where were we, Kate, where the girl told us that she had anal with the whole football team? Like she yelled. Oh, that was Texas. That co- was the first. Oh, that was the show you're talking about. Was because, that the show? Oh my gosh! Yeah. And her boyfriend was like, "You did what?" Like, yeah. And and then she had said she waited a long time to have sex. Yeah. She goes, "No, you don't understand. I was a virgin forever." And we were like, "Well, when did you lose your virginity?" She goes, "I was 17." And we're like, "Oh wow, that's a lot of anal for a teenager." But okay, like. But that made for like I would say one of the most memorable moments touring like that woman was amazing and that she wanted to share that was so funny mm-hmm. yeah I you know I think the other thing about the song is like I, I would always get excited especially when people didn't know what was coming that when we hit that first chorus to watch the reaction of people it's it really isn't is, it's amazing it's a fun <laughs> like when when it's a packed room and you're about to hit that first line of the chorus like it's so I mean well, now it's a thing on on TikTok I don't know yeah. this it's really funny they do these, like, these, like, teenagers play it for their parents and they film their reaction and it's really fun to yeah, watch. Yeah, they start from the middle of the first verse. Mm-hmm. So it, usually it's a teenager and then her, their mom or dad yep. and they play the first verse and the, the they're just bouncing around and then that happens and they react, I think. And they're like, oh, some people think it's funny and some people are horrified. But either way, the TikToks are funny. Do you, do you like, I mean, I... I I mean, I imagine you, it's fun, but I, is any part of you like, that's not what our joke, that was not our intention. And I mean, it's like slightly taking your joke out of context and putting in sort of a new context. I absolutely love it. Yeah. I there When I saw my friend texted me and he said, look on TikTok, there's this loophole thing going around. I was delighted. Like there was no part of me that worried about the context. I just loved it. That's fair. Um, I want to ask a little bit about how you write. The sense I got is that you have a brainstorm and then like you. So once you decide, like, how does it go where you're like, oh, we brainstormed this enough. Then what happens? Then I usually just like do a pass at the lyrics. It's just I just take it and obsessively work on them for however long. And then once I have a pass, I send it to Kate for thoughts or whatever and then maybe I do another pass and then she gets it and and does a pass of the melody Mm. and then we come together and like finalize it and see see what works but yeah it's usually me obsessively working on rhymes (laughs) alone (laughs) in my apartment I feel like that was and that wasn't how we began but I don't know how many years in do you think Ricky like a year or two in is we kind Mm -hmm. of found that system really worked um Mm -hmm. Because those those early songs we were kind of just writing together, and like Ricky said, we wrote two in an hour, you know, and then right. and then now you know it can take months. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what was so let, let's we'll start with the music, then we'll talk a little bit more of the lyrics. What was the musical idea? How did you decide on sort of what you were going for here? How does what does that look like when you're like writing music to lyrics? I mean, I just remember thinking that we wanted it to be very like epic sounding, like the chorus had to really. You know, with comedy music, it's really in gen- general, it's really tricky because you, if you make something too pretty, then you sometimes lose the comedy, and uh, so so yeah. I mean, I just I think that the chorus was so important to really honor those words. <laughs> with something and I remember like wanting you, lifting. you wanted to make it jaunty too. Like the the verses are very jaunty and light, like in contrast yeah. to the material. And the, I remember being at your piano we wrote most of it on the piano and um 
uh, yeah, just feeling like having that chorus hit. That was just, the mo- I think the most important thing was just finding a way to make that still seem surprising and almost like uplifting, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it sometimes with, with the melody, it's not like, you know, we just, we know, we know when it's the right thing, you know, uh, both of us, I would say 99.5% of the time we are always like, that's it, you know, like we'll yeah. know if it is or it isn't. And um, when we hit on that, it was like, okay, that feels like the right thing. But yeah, I think having kind of light and, and you know, because our songs are wordy, there's a percussiveness to them that, um, that yeah, allows them, the chorus to soar a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you decide but, early on that you wanted, you know, because usually your songs will like, the premise is really clear. You'll very much start. We're like, here's the thing. It's like, we're bad at hand jobs. Immediately we're talking about hand jobs. We'll do Here the course we go. Of, yes. yeah. <laughs> and this is a, this is a real build. Like it's like completely versional and then like it's coy a little bit and then obviously the course comes. Was that the idea? Like we mm-hmm. want to do a build? Totally. And we had we had one other song that was like that, the the song called College Tribe where we we the only intro we give is we say it's about my bisexual experience in college. And then we're just talking about like love is love, and it's this. And then the the chorus, if you go look it up, it's it's very surprising, and people do not expect it coming. Like our reaction to it, and so we want we wanted that feeling. We wanted to like slowly, slowly, slowly build it, where people are like, wait, what's what's going on? And yeah. And, and then, then the bridge, the bridge is so intense. I mean, I think that's really where we explain the whole like why we're singing about what we're singing, and so mm-hmm. that I think gets more serious in tone and. Uh, and that really has like a, a build of its own that leads you to fly to the last chorus. <laughs> <laughs> the other only other thing was the the second chorus is I think the dirtiest thing in your catalog, right? It's like oh sorry, the second verse. Sorry, the second oh, verse. Oh, the second oh, verse yeah, is second so verse, dirty. Yeah. Oh yeah, sorry. the second verse is just completely dirty. Yes. I've emptied my bowels and laid out the towels. I'm ready for romance, like stuff like that. <laughs> we have the was yeah. that could sort of like because the first verse was the opposite. You're like, oh, we can sort of give all. We're gonna go so hard on the second verse. Yes. Well, plus we had to like w- we knew that the chorus was gonna get laughs, so we had to top that. You know, you try to make it like a, a ride. You try to go up and up and up and up and up, and then because other because sometimes comedy songs, you know, they'll be like they'll, they'll have the premise and the funny chorus, and they'll be like, here's the same premise, but mm-hmm. we're in a grocery store, and then you don't get any laughs. And like the same premise, and now we're hiking. You're like, okay, but no, make it like build. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask about two two specific things that I've talked to when I talk to music comedy music people, which is um, putting the punchline in a rhyme. So I, I I've heard people have different opinions because there's a thing of like because you know a rhyme is coming, like there is a feeling like oh that's it's expected even if it's not expected, so you don't know if you should like have it somewhere else. What is your philosophy on rhymes and punchlines and how they relate? I feel like with this song, uh, you know, the chorus doesn't really rhyme. We mm-hmm. kind of just let ourselves have that. <laughs> like, it it just doesn't. Like, I mean, just the it's last just between you lines, and me, really. everyone yeah. is a sex god can't see. Yeah, we just like, we're like, yeah, we're just not going to rhyme it till the end. Because, like, we, we thought of rhymes that rhymed with Jesus, but it was like, you know, please us or it just nothing felt like the right and nothing matched what we wanted to say. So we were just like, whatever, we don't care. And then we have a song 2931 where literally nothing rhymes in the whole song and we don't care. I, now that you mentioned it, there is something about this chorus because it doesn't rhyme and everything you expect it because you guys rhyme so much that it's like mm-hmm. such, it's so jarring just the fact that you're not rhyming. 
<laughs> we like it's fun to like. Oh, I guess we have two once rhymes. you know the rules, you can break them, you know, or whatever. We just like we. I feel like we rhyme weirder and less the longer we've been doing this. You have internal yeah. rhymes in the course. You have sensation yes. and rationalization. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I also, in general, when if if a line can make me if it rhymes and it can still surprise me. I think that's the key is like, cause you don't want to be like tipping off the listener for them to go like, Oh, well that rhymes going to be the punchline. You're like, so right. I think it, it's, it's a really tricky thing, but when it's done right, it's, it's, I think can be a super satisfying thing to still land on a rhyme. Right. Um, like we were just like, yeah. we are not rhyming loophole with poop hole. That, that was our hard. one rule. That <laughs> yeah. was like, we talked about it. We're like, Nope. And when we did sex with ducks, we are like, we are not rhyming duck and fuck. We are yep. not doing that. Like, <laughs> if it's Because it's that like first thought thing. If it's the first thought, we try to go to like a second one or third one. The, the, the other lyric question I have is about like play on words, double meaning. Their song has a few everything, but there's think outside the box, maidenhead. Different song to this has different amount of them. What is your sort of general feeling about, I don't know if they count as puns, but they're sort of like the what happens in musicals when there's like jokes in musicals where there's like two meanings. I like double entendre in this song, but we don't have a ton of it. I don't think maybe maybe in college try. I don't know if we have we we like metaphors a lot. Like that that song fade away is like just we're like like it as or we have, yeah, I guess yeah. that's a simile. Yeah, yeah. I guess we like similes a lot and hand job is a lot of similes. Um, I don't know. We, do we do a lot of puns, Kate? Just this um, song is not. Filled I don't with think them. too many. I in in general, I love puns, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I think I think they can be tricky. Uh, you know, with I, I I don't know. I I it is like a real fine balance in writing a comedy song, and I think you don't want to to get too punny might be a trap. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. When you guys perform it live, what's your favorite lyric to sing, or what tends to get the biggest laugh beyond the chorus, for obvious? Where it's like. Um, Oops, I mean, let's join our souls and you, that part. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, what's the one? Um, Satan's doorbell gets a big laugh. If you ring Satan's mm-hmm. doorbell, God can't ignore this. Like we call the clitoris Satan's doorbell. Um, I like that rhyme, clitoris and can't ignore this. Like that feels like it's a soft rhyme, but I liked I liked that rhyme. I think when you're playing it live, it's just I. there's something about looking at the people that you can see within the audience and like singing something that you think is shocking. Mm. It, it, it's a really funny thing to to watch the reaction. So I do like singing that like. The you know what stuff. song, which thing gets in a, like an applause is that um, God's OK with sodomy, but only if you're straight. That mm-hmm. usually will get people like, you know, cheering or whatever for that. Yeah. One. I don't know if that's a laugh line, but they they do cheer at that one. There have been a lot of times where that. There's cheering after the the bridge, which is always a really kind of great feeling because mm. it does explain the song. Yes. You know? yeah. <laughs> the thing about comedy music and seeing that live is it is that you can repeat songs, right? Like obviously like stand-up mm-hmm. comedians aren't gonna be like time to do my set that you all know mm-hmm. that you're all here to hear. But like whether I've seen you, when I saw the Lonely Island, no one wanted really them to do new material. It'd be so weird. One, I think it's like, how did you approach that? But also, like, what do you think it is? Like, what do you think the people that do know it, what are they getting out of? Like, they're not going to laugh for the first time, but what? Do you, how would you describe re-watching it with people? Like, what do you think that is? I know when I go to see Tim Minchin, like, my, who's one of, one of my favorite comedy singers, my favorite thing is when he does a combo of new stuff mm. and songs I know. Like, it's just fun to hear the song you know live. And it, you know, like, it's just like a, a regular concert where if you see Journey, they have to play Don't Stop Believing," but, you know, 
Yeah, I mean, I just think in general with with music, it's like you do want to listen to a song you enjoy over and over. So I feel like it's just a different experience for, you know, versus watch. Although I will say like I I will if if I know one of my favorite comedians is doing a bit I love, it's it's just the same where I'm like, I can't wait to watch this bit again. So I, I guess it's sort of that same idea of just like it getting to you know, enjoy the thing you love, really. I mean, I I know it might be that simple. And I guess you're doing it with other people, right? It's like, it's in so much as like, comedy is like a social thing. Like most people probably have heard this song like on their headphones or whatever. So Mm -hmm. like be around other people and we're all like in on the experience, I guess. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And, And for the people who are there who know it and then getting to experience it with people who are listening to it for the first time, that's, I I think that's like a really cool thing. I mean, this just makes me miss theater and shows yeah, <laughs> yeah. but i've seen comedy shows where people are yelling the punchline mm-hmm. because they know you know just in general so it's mm-hmm. like at least with singing along maybe that's a little better but you know <laughs> but along the lines of a song there's also the other side of it when we're trying out new material and singing a song <laughs> if it's a bad bit you can kind of bail uh, if you're in a, the middle of a song that's not going well, you have to go all you, the way to the end. Yeah, <laughs> you just everyone's got to sit through it. Like that's everyone's punished. Especially you have to us. be like, well, this that, that actually wasn't meant to be funny. We're just singing right. a song. Yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah, it's just a song. This one's yeah. just a song. <laughs> there have been times where Ricky and I just look at each other and we know we're just in it, and I'm it just, just feels so like the song took an hour. <laughs> you know? Yeah. We're like, we spent four months writing this song and it is bombing so hard. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, well. We'll be right back with more Kate Micucci and Ricky Lindholm. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Calling all female runners, it's time to lace up and join Team Milk. Since the 2022 New York City Marathon, Team Milk has sponsored female marathon runners nationwide, providing support and shining a spotlight on their unique stories, perseverance, and drive to go the distance. Why milk? Dairy milk is an excellent nutritional ad for both marathon training and recovery. Milk contains 13 essential nutrients, including high-quality protein, making it a crucial component of a training diet. Plus, it's one of the best beverages for hydration, even better than water. The same electrolytes that are added to many of your favorite sports drinks are found naturally in milk. 
And in 2024, Team Milk is taking the next step to empower female runners by launching the only women's marathon in the U.S. designed for and by women. Built to be accessible, empowering, and community building, the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon will take place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16, 2024. You can learn more and register for the marathon at everywomansmarathon.com. And we're back with Kate McCucci and Ricky Lindholm. So, um, 2015, 2016, um, I want to get a sense of how you're feeling because it's like, it happened. The thing happens where it's like you get, and it happens with all comedians where you sort of like get out the gate and you sort of like do the first wave of opportunities of like, okay, we, we did our albums and then we did the special and then we had the TV show with our name in it and you you got that nominated for an Emmy and you're like, okay. And I I asked this partly because like I sort of a sense, but I was like, did you guys secretly break up when without telling anybody? Like I didn't think that, but I was just like, because I knew you'd put out a few things, but. There, 2015, 2016 felt like a shift, but not a shift we all heard about. So then it's like, what Well, was... I did a TV show. I did yeah. Another Period. So we did, I did a show on Comedy Central called Another Period for three yes, years. And I was a showrunner and starring in it, which just like takes all of your energy. It just takes everything. And so Kate and I were doing small things. We were, you know, we did write some songs during that period of time, um, but I was just like writing scripts all day that I just didn't have any juice left yeah. to write songs. And then, um, but we we did do some, we wrote, that's when we started writing for animation. Was what, during that time. Was it, a, was it a, was it like, was there a conversation of like, what should we do while I'm doing another period? Like, how did you sort of decide what you wanted the future to be? Like, what were the conversations like of like, oh, do we want to do animation? Was there, was there any deliberate effort? Like, oh, maybe we'll scale back touring? Like, how did it come about where you've shifted to where you guys are right now? I don't know if we ever had a conversation. We never did, I don't think. I think we, we which maybe sounds crazy, but uh, yeah, I think we were just, you know, I I knew that Ricky was really busy and that was okay. And we were, we always still were working on something though. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like we, so I guess maybe that's why it didn't feel that, drastic in some mm-hmm. way because there would be like oh the song that we're gonna try to write for this movie or whatever you know we always had like or we always had a like a tour a few tour dates in the books or something so it never felt like we stopped we didn't mm-hmm. stop but it just yeah. so i think i think in some way like we yeah i don't know we never really had a true conversation about it though but also like in like 2010, we were like, we want to write soundtracks for animated movies and mm-hmm. we want to write Broadway musicals. That's our next move. Like we're going to do comedy and it's going to lead us into that. And then we were like kind of hoping those doors would open and they they did a teeny bit, but like not at the level that we were hoping because it, it did feel like a lot of our male counterparts were getting just at least the meetings for like full soundtracks of these movies. Mm-hmm. And we, we didn't get those meetings. And um, but we did get in the sort of pool of people who could submit for the song, which is like, it's not on spec, but they'll be like, hey, we need to write a song about a peanut getting married. And then, you know, and it's got to be reggae. And we're like, great. Okay. So then you, <laughs> you you just do it on spec. And then if your song ends up in the movie, you get a song in the movie. And if it doesn't, then you don't get paid. 
And that reggae peanut song was just amazing. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. That was a very good fake example that you're able Thank to Thank you. No, it's actually it's actually not that far off from what it's, we actually Oh my god. <laughs> it's I wish that was I wish it was like it is that weird. It's very for yeah, the Mr. But we did Peanut that. movie. You had to write for the Mr. Peanut. Right. But we did that for a really long time and some of our things ended up in movies and some didn't and some would be in the final cut until three weeks before. Um, but it felt like a like the the return wasn't really matching the effort because you know we were producing these full songs over and over mm-hmm. and it, they weren't really sticking and so we're like I think we just have to write our own animated movie if we want to actually do a soundtrack and so that's what yeah. we did <laughs> that's what you did which is that yeah. steps or is- mm-hmm. yeah it was initially called stepsisters but I guess there's something else named stepsisters so now it's just steps what can you tell us about it beyond what has already been press released about it. <laughs> It's well, it's interesting because it in the press release or the comments about it said that it was Cinderella's stepsisters um going on a journey, but it's just it's there it's not Cinderella. It's just that's a fictional character named Isadora and it's her stepsisters. And um Isadora is chosen by the prince. and then it's basically what happens when the prince doesn't pick you. like mm-hmm. then what? And it's about like these people having to actualize themselves and become real human beings. and it's about um, I feel like the message that I wish I'd seen when I was little that I wanted to put in this movie is that like other women are not the enemy. Yeah. And like the idea that there's only one princess, there's only one spot, there's one person. It's like a myth, like, you know, perpetuated to keep us down. And not only are we not each other's enemy, we're we're each other's salvation. Like we're like the only way to get out of the, you know, trap that it is to be, you know, not running things. You're in a system that's designed for you to fail. And the only way out is mm-hmm. with each other. And that's, gosh, it makes the movie sound really boring. But okay. that well, is just the theme the underneath parts? a fun yes, yes, story. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> those, are, but those are the themes that we, that we love. And, there's, like women, and there's songs. And there's yes. tons of songs. Yes, there's a lot of fun songs. And, like half and, comedy, half real, or half, half not comedy, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, about that, I'd say. Mm-hmm. And what can you say about the Broadway musical that is also mentioned, I think, in the thing? Oh, is I, it? Oh, I saw yeah. somewhere it said it. And I was like, oh. I don't think we can say anything about it. Except that we're, it's based on a cult movie that we're obsessed with. And we signed with a new agent, Richard Kraft, last summer. And uh, the day he signed us, he was like, give me a list of 10 movies you want to make into Broadway musicals. And on Monday I texted him and there was only one thing on the list. And he was like, okay, well, let's go after this one. And then we got it and we're, we're writing it and we have 19 songs right now. So wow, it's, um, it's rolling. So, so how did the waffles and mochi thing come mm-hmm. about? Ricky had worked with Jeremy Connor, who uh, is one of the co-creators of Waffles and Mochi, and they had worked together on another period really um, closely. Jeremy directed all of the episodes. And Kate and I wrote a couple musicals, musical numbers for another period. And so we'd worked with Jeremy on songs, too. And um, yeah, we just had a really great working relationship with him. And then when he was just pitching the show, he said, hey, um, I'm doing this kid's show. It's just, can you do me a favor? He was like, can you write a song just for our pitch? And it with no promises of, you know, because he can't promise, he can't promise it'll get picked up. He can't promise it'll be a musical. He can't promise us the job. But he was just like, will you write this for the pitch? You know, we can see how it goes. And then, um, yeah, the show obviously got made. And then Jeremy's like, yeah, we want you to do all the songs. 
what was so the process was, like for writing songs for it? Like what, what did they send over? And then what were you sort of like uh, expected to do? And how did you end up doing it? You know, in the beginning, I think they had outlines, but eventually we were reading the scripts and, you know, we knew for sure that, okay, you have to write a song on, you know, umami and please hit these points. Um, and so that was a really fun thing to be able to do because Ricky and I like love an assignment. And so uh, it was kind of fun to be able to work within those, you know, parameters. And um, yeah, and and not all of the songs had like the like the tomato song that was just like you know, really just write a song about a tomato. That was basically it. So <laughs> Jeremy's like, can you write a song about tomato? And then we were literally did a brainstorm document about like, what's funny about tomatoes? <laughs> and we're like, what? We just like, it's like, it's the same as any other song. And then you came up with like, oh, well, it can be like a Sia type thing. I'm not a vegetable. I'm just misunderstood. I've never been a vegetable. And I wouldn't be if I could. Put me in a certain You know, the Sia thing happened much later. Um, we we wrote this, oh gosh, when was that, when did we write that song? Like three years ago, two years ago? Uh, at, at least two, over two years ago, yeah. Yeah, and so it was just for the pitch and then it ended up becoming part of the show. And then after, I don't even know, I guess, yeah, probably two years after we wrote it, they were like, yeah, we're going to go out to Sia to see if she wants to do it. And then she did, which was amazing. Are you doing demos where you're like trying to sound like, this per- like no because we had all. no idea who it was going out to like we we just knew that jeremy was playing it for executives in a pitch like yeah. that's what we, what we did the demo for and it's like kate's actually we have a demo of kate as a tomato that's really really funny i'm not a vegetable i'm just misunderstood i've never been a vegetable and i wouldn't be if i could you put me in a certain aisle like there's no more to discover. But you gotta read my whole book, not just look at the cover. People take one look at me and they think they know who I am. But I'm here to say once and for all so that everyone can understand I'm a fool. so fast because i'm here to say at last that baby i'm a fool <laughs> yeah i still love I, yeah i mean i do i'm very proud of that song i but i think with with all of the songs you know we were making demos all the time of course but we didn't have we didn't know who they were going to get mm. so there was not us trying to sound like anybody or you know it, it was more like you know crack me up was in the style of like an 80s you know like sound like it's on the top gun soundtrack so like you know that had that vibe and it's like yeah but it didn't have we were we had no idea who they were going to yeah go we didn't know to. it was going to be jack black but then it completely fit and he was yeah. amazing but yeah we had yeah we didn't write them for anybody and, but we also knew that like there there was a possibility that certain artists would want to produce the track themselves and so that was yeah. on the table but um there weren't many people who who felt the need to do that everyone's like no it's a kid show like i'll just sing it yeah how did you think about writing for kids? How did you approach it? What 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 challenges or what what's different about it? I feel like it's very much in like melodically in my wheelhouse of like what I do naturally, you know, and mm-hmm. and so that that was fun and easy in some way. Well, it's interesting because my instinct was to for simplicity, you know, just you know, just to make it just like just simpler. And I, I remember reading Harry Potter and how you know, J.K. Rowling, she uses sort of simple words in a 
cool way. She doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm like, oh, I want to, I want to do that. I want to use words that kids understand. Um, I know that's not the best reference, but that was what I was sure. looking at at the time. It was. Um, and so, yeah, just like trying to, you know, just make it simple and make it something that they can sing along to. But then when we started writing songs for steps, I, we had a new philosophy on it because of Hamilton. Because, you know, you see three-year-olds who know every word to Alexander Hamilton. And I was like, I think we were thinking too small as far as the things that kids can sing along to. Because if they know all the words to my shot, then I think we were a little bit underestimating the audience. So now when we write kids' songs, we're, we're less afraid of using bigger words or weird rhymes or talking too fast. It, it's it, Hamilton kind of threw that out the window for us. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's obviously always been a certain amount of like, innocence in Garfunkel Little Oats that is often like juxtaposed, you know, like there's puppets in almost every episode of the television show. <laughs> not every, but like not everyone where you're like, oh, it's a show with puppets, but enough that you're like, they like puppets. Yeah, <laughs> totally. But- That's Kate. Kate's the puppet person. <laughs> I have so many puppets. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you try to find comedy when you don't then have the clear thing to juxtapose it with? Like obviously sex with puppets is like an obvious juxtaposition, but like you're... You're still trying to get some contrast of, or some something that you can get some sort of tension that you can make comedy out of. How, what have you been able to find serves a similar function that like sex or adult related things fills with your Garfunkel Note song? One thing, I mean, and I, it's it's not in every song that we wrote for for Waffles and Mochi, but like the element of surprise or, you know, like, like good things take time is a song where we kind of really play with time. Like, I mean, no matter what, I mean, that, you know, you want to surprise the audience to make them laugh. And so I feel like, you know, we, we definitely do that with that song. Um, I also think I'm realizing now that we're talking about, I think there's like, there's comedy in the stakes of it. Like, like how important it is to this egg to get mm-hmm. cracked. Like there's something like so silly about that or this pickle to be in this jar. Like they sing it with so much conviction. And I think that's part of what makes it funny. And like Umami's like just so angry that no one knows that she's a taste bud and she's sick of being ignored. And, you know, we wrote it in sort of like dream girl style. And um, yeah, I think stakes is part of it. Yeah. And I think too, I mean, this is going to maybe sound really cheesy, but with all of the stuff, I think there's still... A, a real heart to it, you know, I, and I think that people recognize that even if they're not like conscious about it. Like even with Garfunkel and Oates, and we're singing about things that like we're still really earnest about what we're singing, you know, and like you know, if we're rapping about hand jobs, we're still sharing that you know what we feel about them, and like in the moment at least. And so it's like I feel like keeping that theme of just really having the heart of the song, you know, I think. I, I don't know. That goes a long way with ev- everything. Not even, you know, but that might sound really cheesy. <laughs> so no, I, I apologize. Well, it's just like you play the reality of the song real. Like, we're like, whatever it's the topic. And if right. the topic is, you know, a tomato, then like that tomato is playing it real in the same way that you guys, you know, like you mm-hmm. are not teenagers who no. so like that was <laughs> so we're fake, doing the loophole no but you like the reason that that comedy works is you're singing it as teenagers it's like the same thing mm-hmm. it's like you you play it, it'd be i mean everything would be worse if you like played it all like you're like being funny like right that would yes. be, be really bad that, that would just would be, be really a bad. terrible comedy show <laughs> where <Yeah>. everything <laughs> it's well, a I funny idea it. yeah <laughs> yeah what is it like and and have you to write music beyond sort of your 
scope the time, you know, like part of what's so interesting about Garfunkel notes is the sort of scale of it, right? It's like, for the most part, it's like a guitar and a ukulele and your voices um, and you don't do harmonies. Um, what's it like being like blank canvas, any singer in the world, any instrumentation in the world, big or, you know, especially for the movie, maybe it's like, you can do like a full orchestra. Like, what is it like that? Um, is it, you know, how do you then also make it still feel like your type of perspective? I think it's been a really fun challenge, but it's, it's interesting because before Waffles and Mochi, we probably wrote 50 songs for kids movies. So we yeah. felt very, we really did. Like it was, we were really in there trying to get stuff in, in, into the ether, you know, but so we already had been out there experimenting with different kinds of music, like the reggae peanut song, which is fake, but it, it's not that far off of sure. what we would, you know, so a lot of times they tell you the type of music. And so we kind of had to force ourselves to learn about different kinds of music and expand our palettes that way. Um, I don't know. I don't know how we do. I don't know if we are that concerned about losing the Garfunkel and Oatsness of it. Like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I don't mind if we do, if it serves the project, like sure. whatever is better for the the song. But um, yeah, it's actually been really fun to be able to learn more about music production in different styles. And and also, too, just even from the beginning of making, when we were making our albums, like, we, you know, we're such, we, Ricky and I love Broadway so much and uh, and always, like, just bond over shows and we do Broadway trips to New York and, like, you know, so I think there are, there's a lot of instrumentation within our albums um, because they're not live. We, yeah. we record them with, uh, Eben Schletter and Mike Furman uh, did the production on them. And so, they, you know, oftentimes we have these really grand sounding, like huge, you know, basically an orchestra in a song. And so we did have that experience too, of building songs that way over the years. Um, so yeah, I think, but like Ricky's saying, I think we just, it's fun to try to serve the the uh assignment and be like okay what are they looking for how can Mm -hmm. we make this the best thing (laughs) so how much time do you spend on writing garfunkel and oats songs currently oh my god zero zero yeah zero i miss it it's just like we i don't i don't have any topics right now that i want to talk about i don't think kate does either we're just like no it's i it's a such a heavy time that's the thing i mean i it's been a hard time for everyone and it's really hard to figure out what to write <laughs> yeah for 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 Garfunkel and Oates but but I think that's why we have really just been like excited to write songs for projects um we but- like to write more we just like honestly don't have any you know it's it's interesting because it's like easy to write you know five comedy songs or 10 or once you've written 60 it's like how many more topics are there like yeah. I don't actually know like that you want to write about I don't know yeah, I mean, it would have to be, it, it's, I mean, you wrote, I think three have come out, like, since, like, the election, let's say. And I feel mm-hmm. like at least two of them were, like, somewhat directly at the times, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then that was almost like, okay, we'll write one song about this, the times. And then it's yeah. like, well, now we already wrote the song about the times. Right. And there we did. Yeah. Then we had it. And then I, yeah. I don't know. I feel like even, you know we don't have much to talk about in our actual lives right now. Like I, you know, it's like, I, at least for me, I feel like I, I'm, I, I'll go over to Ricky's to work and I don't really have anything to say. Like, there's just nothing's going on. Like, it, like until we're back in the world and like funny things start to happen and you can interact and, and have a, like, I think it's at least for me, I think it's really hard to find what's funny <laughs> right now. 
Um, what's the the hardest part and best part about working in a partnership? For either of you, both of you, you're going to both have to answer this question. What do you think, Kate? I mean, I think the hardest part is, I mean, this year especially was really hard for us because we, you know, being quarantined and I have a one-year-old, so it's very hard to manage time. And I was trying to figure all that out. So I think... Um, yeah, I mean, I think that that this past year was a really tricky time to figure out, even though we were writing a lot to figure out how we work, you know, um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, so I think, yeah, I think it can be really hard to, when you have two people with two separate schedules to figure out, uh, you know, and it was a lot easier when our schedule was exactly the same schedule, you know, for years. So, um, that, I think that's a hard thing. I don't know, Ricky, I don't know if you want to if there's gosh i don't know well what's yeah. the best thing Say the best thing the best thing is that you have a partner and that like i mean and again like we just we love each other and it's like no matter what like we we have been through we have so many experiences together we have been together working on you know we've been friends since 2006 we've been writing songs since 2007 and you know toward the country together and like even just yesterday you know how the your phone now tells you memories and I was like oh Ricky and I were on a helicopter in Alaska five years ago today and it's like we just have so many fun experiences and there's just something that I can't explain that when we start singing together especially you know on the stage like it's it feels magical whatever chemistry happens it's like you can't plan that. And it's always been that way from the first day with Ricky and I. And so that is the absolute best thing is just that you have a partner in crime that you just like come alive mm-hmm. with. Totally. I think also what Kate said, but also I think one of the best things about having a partner is you have someone to be accountable to. Because mm. at least for me, it's hard to be like, this is my assignment and I'm just going to look at it myself. When you're when you're your own boss, it's hard when there's no one checking your work and there's no one being like, where is that? I want like, I want to get started on that or whatever. I like having, being accountable to someone. I think the worst part is that we have to split the money. I mean, it like, it's a bummer because you have to do twice as, you work just as hard, but you have to do twice as, but you don't get paid twice as much. We, you, we have to split everything. And so you have to do twice as much work to make the same as a solo person. You know, it is, it is, it is a bummer. That is a good, good point. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They don't pay you more when there's two of you. They go, no, this is how much the song is. This is how much we pay for a song. We don't pay per person. And touring, too. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, we'd split all of it where, you know, our friends who are individual comedians would make, Mm -hmm. you know, get to keep all of it. Twice as much. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like there's something about, I mean, you both obviously have created stuff outside of the, the unit, be it, you know, Katie, you have your drawing, you have, and, and Ricky, obviously, you've written other things. There's an image of a person working by themselves and they're like, oh, their output would be the best reflection of just that themselves. Where I feel like for some people, working with a partner actually like allows themselves to more express themselves fully. Does that make sense? I well, I definitely feel I I think I know what you're saying where like I would never have sang about sex or those things like I was writing songs all of the time and half of them were about my dog and the other half were about the moon and it's like <laughs> I, that's really like I had so many songs and then I met Ricky and you know I I think it really opened up 
just even what I'm comfortable in talking about in everyday conversations. Like, you know, I, I, you know, we started when we were in our 20s. So obviously, I probably, you know, along the way of learned a lot but still like I just I was very shy about certain things and it really yeah. opened me up but Kate was always braver than me like she would get on stage with like this is a song I wrote an hour ago and be like what do you think like she she was less afraid of like public failure than me <laughs> that's, I, that's a good point the first time I ever performed like at, at a comedy show I made out with bird puppets so I, mm-hmm. I think now I would be scared to do that but I wasn't yeah. back then <laughs> but it is a it's a necessary quality to do stand-up you yeah. you can't be if, like, like everyone bombs every everyone bombs sometimes like but for me it's easier to fail with a partner <laughs> like it's like a cushion like you have someone experiencing it with you and like that is I I can deal with it emotionally better with another person than just like bombing alone and then you go home alone (laughs) and you're like did not go well and you don't have anyone to discuss it with and you're just you did you guys ever do couples therapy I always hear about writing partnerships that like meet with yeah yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah we yes we did this past year and I think it was really great for us Mm -hmm. it was the first time we had really done it and um I found it really helpful. I would mm-hmm. tell anybody in a partnership that it's probably a great thing to do, you know. What do you think you learned from it? I don't know. I mean, we <laughs> it was a good thing for us. I'm trying to think of like Yeah, I don't know, Ricky. What do you think? I feel like it was uh, you know, as we've established on this podcast, we don't talk things through them. We just, yeah, kind of, like, yeah. it, like, that's why we'll never break up. Because, like, if there's a problem, like, I'll, like, talk to the person I'm dating or my therapist or something, like, and then I just, like, get it right in my own head and then move forward. Like, I don't, I, you know, we don't usually, like, bring problems to the table. Sure. You know, it, we just don't. We just, like, we don't fight because we, I don't know, we just move on. We just go on and, like, you know, and also we've been, we've known each other so long that if Kate's having a bad day, it's not Kate's an asshole, it's Kate's having a bad day, or me having a bad, you know, it's not like a permanent state. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I, it was, it was, I don't know, it was interesting. <laughs> I do think, well, I think it was also really specific to not, we weren't together, we were working over FaceTime, mm-hmm. you know, and so we hadn't, it had been a, a break of not being, I think it was the longest we had never seen each other in person. Mm-hmm. And, um... So I, I think dealing with the pandemic and all of what that brought, and I, you know, I, yeah, I don't know, there was just a lot, there was a lot of sure, stuff. And it was sure. a weird thing where, you know, Kate was a new mom and dealing with that. And oddly, during the pandemic, I've never been more inspired. I've never worked mm. more. I just was like having a, it was like. A renaissance. I, could, I couldn't <laughs> yeah. stop writing. Like, I just couldn't stop. I was so I just wanted to make everything and like it felt like a writer's strike again where it was like this free time to just it was just like bonus time to get to like like Zach Morris put a pause on the world and I just got to make everything I wanted to make before the timeout ended. And, and I was deep in a yeah. postpartum depression. So <laughs> I feel yeah. like I think I you know, I think it was us I think therapy really helped in um just understanding that alone that like we were okay, we were uh just, you know, learning to understand each other in a different way. But I do think it brought us closer in some ways, too. So, um, yeah. It's, a, it's nice to know you'd never break up, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, right. There's just no reason. Yeah. Like, I just 
there's no there's no reason. <laughs> so it's it's uh, now it's time for the final segment of the show. It's called the laughing round. It's like a lightning round, but because this is a comedy podcast, it, it's called the laughing round. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a lightning round in that it's short, but like most parts, it's the same thing. I just ask you questions and you answer them. Cool, great. Um, <laughs> so it's not a lightning round. Got it. <laughs> yeah, people get really in their head about how short their answers are going to be, and I'm like, right. it, they're literally just sort of different questions. Right. I sort mm-hmm. of, you'll see, they're kind of, you'll see, they're they're pretty different. Cool. Uh, do do either of you or both of you have a favorite joke? Joke like a street joke or like a dad joke or a knock knock joke. I have two favorite bits. They're not singular jokes, but it's um, Tignataro's Taylor Dane bit. That's that was what I it's was just, going to say. And that's a better. Well, actually, you can answer that. These are sort of that's a slightly different question. And I really love Anthony Jeselnik's abortion story. I love both of those. I, I've watched them multiple times, and I. Yeah, I love it. I was just going to say Tig Notaro, Taylor Dane. I think I've seen it. I've seen Tig perform that 70 times, and it's just the best. <laughs> so. For people listening, that was, there's an episode of that. So go listen to that. Oh, episode. great. Is there? Oh, that's awesome. Wow. Yeah, it's just so great. It's, um, is there a, a comedy song that you wish you guys could steal or a premise of a comedy song, since obviously you'd have to make it your style, but like essentially... A comedy song that's out there that you could, it's a new dimension where everything's the same, but you have the rights or the ability to play your version of this song. There's one. We actually, we actually bought it and used it for the Garfunkel and Oates show. There's this comedy singer called Shana Firm. And she wrote this song that the premise is like encouraging herself and it's called Come On Me. And she's like, you know, it's like, come on me. You know, it's like, come on, come up me. Mm-hmm. And we're like, yeah. oh, we wish we'd thought of that. And so we had um, in the TV show, there was um, a band that was playing the porn version of Garfunkel and Oates. And we're like, they need a song. And so we we got a hold of Shannon. We're like, can we buy your song and cover it for this show? And she was like, yeah, totally. Um, so I, I do wish we'd written that one. Yeah. <laughs> I, you, <laughs> no, that's the perfect answer. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite acting performance of the other one? Oh, wow. That's interesting. Um, Oh, my gosh. Well. Oh, I my favorite. I think there's two. It's the um, what's the Mike Birbiglia movie? Oh, don't Don't think think twice. Don't think twice. Your your role in that. And then the one what's the nun one in Italy? The Little Hours. The Little Hours. Those would be my favorite two for you. I would tie those. Thank you. I mean, I think I would have to say. Last House on the left, watching Ricky be a bad guy. She is so good at that. <laughs> and I, I, one of my favorite moments of like movie theater moments in my life was going to see Ricky in that movie. It was the opening night and a bunch of friends. We all went to support Ricky. And um, I mean, I hope it's not a spoiler alert, but when she dies in the movie, everyone's cheering because the bad guy's dying. And we're all like, no, Ricky. No, no. <laughs> So that was really that's that was really um, amazing. It's really fun to watch Ricky uh, be so uh, evil because she's so not. <laughs> so, um, do you have a, a, a short story um, with a, a legendary comedian living or dead with you guys and them? We became friends with Eric Idle, uh, and it was we were in Seattle. We got an email from our agent being like, "Eric Idle's daughter wants to come see your show. Uh, it's sold out. Do you guys have house seats?" And we always have house seats because we don't know people in those cities. And so we were like, "Yeah, she can have them." And we didn't know she was bringing Eric. And so <laughs> Eric came to the show, and then 
we just like hung out afterwards and played ukulele and sang songs. I'll never forget he he came to our dressing room after the show and said, "I'm so proud of you girls." And and yeah. I was just like, "Wow, yeah." And then we had a pizza party with Eric, and it was amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now we go to jams at his house all the time. We just yeah. jam with a bunch of you know people that are mostly 20 years older than us but it's super fun what is a song that y'all thought was really really funny and you tried at least once or maybe multiple times and the audience never liked but you two together would be like well that's funny they were always wrong maybe the google song i mean i never liked that one you, know? <laughs> you can have separate answers no <laughs> you know i didn't like that. i never liked that one i always thought it was so sweet yeah no i so okay so my answer would be that we, the song everybody googles each other um which ended up on in an album but we mm-hmm. only played it once live and it bombed and we never Ooh, played it again it did not do well i think well we have a song that i think is funnier than people in the audience think it is we've got this song called what's gonna happen to chris and our it's a newer one and it, it it goes okay but it's never it's never crushed and i i i just disagree <laughs> i think it's so funny but um i yeah some of the audience agrees but mostly they don't that's that's it that's the interview uh thank awesome. you so much thanks so much for having us yeah thank you for having us it was nice to talk to you so that's it for another episode of good one you can stream Secretions wherever you listen to music and watch Waffles and Mochi on Netflix. Follow Kate and Ricky on social media at Kate Micucci and Ricky Lindholm, respectively, or at Garfunkel Notes. Good One is produced by myself, Jelani Carter, and Camila Salazar. Gotham Shigashin did our theme song. Write a review and rate the show on Apple Podcasts. Five stars, please. Email any comments, questions, or laughing around suggestions to goodonepodcast at gmail.com or tweet at us at goodonepodcast. I'm Jesse David Fox, and you can follow me at Jesse David Fox. Good One is a production of Vulture and the Vox Media Podcast Network. We'll be back next Thursday. Have a good one. Why do you run? Why does anyone? I always thought that runners loved running. And that's not the case. Most runners hate running. (laughs) But they choose to do it. In the new docu-series Running Sucks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers learns why women runners everywhere are driven to go the distance. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. Team Milk is about fueling women's performance and helping them along their marathon journeys. You can sign up now for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon, taking place in Savannah, Georgia, on November 16, 2024. Learn more and register at everywomansmarathon.com.